Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X. Face your fears. Dwight D. Eisenhower, who once said that pessimists never win wars. Only optimists win wars. Now, when you take a look at the long-term future of humanity, I think it's going to be touch and go, it's going to be a race against time, but I put my bet on those people who realize that, hey, we can use science, use science to conserve power, create fusion energy, create better solar panels. I bet on scientists who can then use technology to rein in global warming. Well, that is inspiring. Dr. Pepper, thank you so much. Hey, it's your boy JC. Welcome to Dream 10X episode 49. I'm here with my lovely wife, Dr. Capel. Or Piper's mom. <laughs> Piper's mom, my wife. She wears many hats. <laughs> Welcome to episode 49. This is going to be a quickie, and we are going to talk about our uh, visit to the ReMars. Con- <laughs> our visit. Our visit. Our visit to Mars. We went to a ReMars conference this year, Amazon ReMars uh, 2022 in, uh, of course, Las Vegas. And uh, ReMars stands for what? Machine learning. Automation, robotics, robotics, and space. And space. So all those four broad categories and a lot of deep dives in each one of those four categories at the Remars Conference. And we're going to talk about our top five takeaways from that event. Number one, my number one is quantum entanglement and wormholes. String theories. String theories. Are Mm -hmm. wormholes real? I think so. I think they might be too. We got to hear a keynote by Dr. Michio Kaku, and he talked about wormholes and the possibility of, of, you know, instantly traveling to other parts of the universe and how, uh, I guess, technically it's possible. And and then we also learned about quantum computing, and I, I... uh, I didn't think quantum computing was really a thing yet, but uh, come to find out, there are a lot of companies right now in that space, a lot of research and development going on. Um, there's a there's even a Canadian company called Penny Lane that has a Python framework that you can use to run Python programs on quantum computers. That's even so cool. it is so amazing. And there's a thing called quantum entanglement. I didn't even know know about this thing, but you got these qubits and they, and they can get entangled. And one can be on one part of the universe and another can be on the other and they can instantaneously share data, share data, which purportedly can facilitate instantaneous communication throughout the universe. Mm-hmm. This is mind boggling. It's and, today. Star Wars check is and, today. And, and this, this is technology that's being developed and actively worked on today. And, and I guess mathematically and scientifically, it's all possible. These types of things are possible. 
And there's even talk of maybe being able to do physical teleportation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not just data, but matter being instantaneously transported around the universe. Fantastic. This is such cool stuff that's going on. Um, so that was my first takeaway. Uh, and I wanted to mention also that this book is a great introduction to quantum computing. It's kind of old, but I read it, um, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And I need to reread the uh, Feynman chapter on quantum computing to try to get boned up on all this. I was trying to watch some YouTube videos and stuff, trying to understand more about quantum computing. Um, I'm, you know, it's really fascinating and it's really a, a, a great rabbit hole to go jump down and start learning about because it's the technology's coming on really fast. Um, okay, number two, robot love. There were so many robots there, so many different types of robots. What was your favorite robot? Uh, yeah, well, well, live and in person would have been Spot, obviously, because Spot was really cool. The Spot, and, the Spot dog from Boston Dynamics. Yeah, and uh, it was neat because there was a guy driving it in the corner, and he would make it move and interact with people. And some of the people, interestingly, thought it was. Autonomous. Autonomous. And so, oh, that's cool. It put its foot, if I put my foot out and it put its foot out. Like, no, no, it's a guy over here that's making it do that. But it was funny to see people interact yeah. with the movements. Like, oh, it's it's thinking on its own. Let me, you know, try to teach it. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> Even though it was remote, remote control. And my favorite um, video that we saw of a robot, so I didn't get to see it live and in action, was the Miso robot. Miso, and yeah. that was the fry cook. And it's this giant arm that cooks french fries. And when you think about it in organizations and being able to reskill people, I mean, it can take some of these manual labor pieces out of the workforce and then we can help people do what they're supposed to be doing, which is critically think and solve problems. That's what our brains are made for. Versus... Yeah, uh, Miso, it's a crowdfunded platform and there are bike castles now with the, the automated uh, cook doing, I think it's fries, it might be burgers as well. But uh, you could just, so 4th of July, we did a lot of driving for the 4th of July week. And you know, along the way, you invariably stop in a fast food restaurant and it's just horrible. It's horrible now. And you're like, why can't machines do what these people are doing very poorly? Why can't the machines do it so much better? Um, even though some of the restaurants, fast food restaurants have kiosks in them, there's a lot that you can't even do with the kiosks. Like, Cindy is gluten-free, so she wants to order uh, a sandwich without the bread on it, typically, or some other meal without the bread. You can't do that in a kiosk. So these restaurants who have these kiosks, why can't you customize orders like that like you can with a human? There's no, no I don't understand. So you've got this cool technology, but we can't use it because you can't. And there were other people ahead of us who wanted to customize their order, not because of gluten reasons, but just because of personal preference. And they couldn't do it because the technology doesn't allow it. And that's just really simple stuff. Um, and I think soon there's going to be a company that gets the technology right and they're mm -hmm. going to just wipe everybody out because... Fast food seems just right for automation to me. Like this, is, we're really close to just like totally redoing how you know, uh, rethinking how we do uh, fast food. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, the ro the robotics going on there in that space is just fantastic. There's a lot of cool stuff coming out of like Mesa Robotics, Boston Dynamics, just really cool stuff. That was exciting to see. Uh, also, open source uh, robot frameworks, open source robot operating system. 
And they're even using that in space vehicles. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get it space flight worthy as well. And that's just really cool developments that are going on. Can you imagine open source space flight worthy uh, robotic operating systems and frameworks? Yeah. That, that's just really cool. Just think about, oh, anybody could write some software to run on a space flight worthy robot. Mm -hmm. And oh, oh, by the way, we are exploring the outer reaches of our solar system and, you know, moon and Mars as well, using robots. That's all going on today. And it's all really cool technology. Um, and all of this stuff is slowly but surely becoming more and more democratized and more people are being able to get their hands on it. It's really exciting. Number three, MLOps is machine learning operations, basically. Uh, we sat on a venture capital um, panel and they talked about some of the cool things that they were interested in funding right now and MLOps was, was high on their priority. Um, MLOps is kind of an evolution or an iteration of DevOps. Have you heard of DevOps? Yeah, you do that. Uh, uh, you, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, automating processes and procedures for moving code through, through environments so it can be tested and then so it can get in front of a customer mm -hmm. in an automated, repeatable, coded fashion. Well, when you have ML models, machine learning models, it becomes a little bit more complicated to automate moving those things through environments because a lot of times there's a lot of data associated with those models mm -hmm. that make those models work. And uh, so ML ops, as the term is, is a, a, a big buzzword right now. Um, the thing came out that organizations that aren't using machine learning in their back end are probably going to fall behind the technology curve really, really quickly now. And so that really resonated with me. Um, using using mo machine learning models to do uh, perform your backend logic is is really the way forward, uh, technology wise. So that was really cool. Uh, so ML Ops is hot on venture capital um, minds right now. Fourth, autonomous vehicles. So now Yay! we're talking about autonomous okay. vehicles. So there was a lot of stuff <laughs> so about autonomous vehicles. Uh, and again, that's another field that I didn't really think was, was really ripe yet, but it feels like that's even becoming really mature technology as we speak, and it probably will be available within the next three years. We saw a race car that can go uh, over 150 miles an hour uh, autonomously, completely, completely autonomously. Um, we saw uh, Jesse Levinson, the CTO of Zooks, talk about his vision for autonomous vehicles uh, in metropolitan areas. And I thought that was an interesting business paradigm. Um, he doesn't think people will want to own cars in the future. I just think that's great. Like, mm -hmm. oh, man, can you imagine not having to worry about car payments and any of that BS anymore? And, you know, car maintenance and inspections and taxes. That's all just stupid legacy stuff. What if it's all just like Uber, except there's no driver? You just mm -hmm. call your ride. There's no, there's no driver. You don't have to worry about tipping a driver or weird smells and whatever. We you probably know. have to worry about weird smells because we're still humans. <laughs> well, I mean from the driver. You know? oh, yeah. uh, so these autonomous cars will just swing by and take you where you want to go, mm -hmm. and then they leave, and then you don't, you don't have to worry about anything vehicle-related. So I think that's a really cool company to watch, Zooks. Um, and then, of course, you've got the Teslas that are already uh, playing around with uh, automated driving, and they can, I guess they can drive certain dis distances in an automated fashion now, but there's, there, I think there's a lot of crashes um, associated with those vehicles at, 
at this time. I don't know. There's, so there's not a lot of trust yet. But the, the technology is not, it, it, it's not yet mature. It's going to be there in the next three to five years, I think. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to watch and see what happens there. Fifth and finally, uh, the notion of digital twins. Um, you remember talking about digital twins? I do remember talking about that. And uh, it's the idea that you can create a 3D model. It doesn't necessarily have to be a 3D model, but it can be a 3D model of a real world system mm-hmm. that you want to uh, you want to model and uh, test in a 3D environment. And the reason you want to do that is because you can iterate over test scenarios much faster and collect a lot more data in a digital environment than you can in the real world. And one example of this was given by a, a guy, I forget his name, but um, he worked for MHP, which is a Porsche company. And they're looking at a lot of different innovations that they want to make to real world Porsche cars. Um, but running tests on hundreds and hundreds of real world cars in the real world is very expensive and time consuming and it makes it really difficult to collect data. So if you can create a digital twin of what you want to test in a, in a, a virtual environment, um, you can iterate on that much faster and um, collect a lot uh, higher fidelity data and, and um, just iterate your product a lot faster that way. And uh, so, of course, Amazon Cloud is offering tools and uh, technologies to facilitate uh, building digital twins and running those tests. And one thing that MHP was looking at was um, uh, electric vehicle batteries. Mm -hmm. And so they're creating digital twins of their batteries and putting those things through iterations to see how they drain, how quickly they drain, uh, how quickly they can get replenished and, and all types of different scenarios. And so they're, they're able to iterate quit more quickly on improving their electric vehicle batteries that way. So that was a really cool concept uh, that I took away from that, digital twins. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. So that's my top five. You yeah. got anything you want to add to that? No. Um, we stayed at Paris in Vegas, and we, we recommend that hotel. It's really, it was really great, a lot of fun, very comfortable. Yeah. Um, the events were at the Aria. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always have a lot of fun when we go there. Mm-hmm. And just a great conference, Remars, machine learning, AI, robots, and space. So there's a lot of cool talk about all of the stuff that's going on in space. We, we're about ready to, to colonize the moon. We got the Artemis project going on. Then once we get that, we're, we're going to build a uh, um, probably a space station or something around the moon. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have visitors in space soon. And then we're going to be going to Mars and... I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff on the on the design tables right now that could could conceivably become reality here in the in the near term within the next ten years. So, I mean, Richard Browning was the key one, the keynote one of the keynotes, and he already put together a jetpack so people could fly. I mean, how amazing is that? Into flatter and flatter, and you have to use your body to actually maneuver rather than thrust vectoring. That is kilometers an hour before you think it's miles an hour. I'm not quite that mad. And this is a good example as well of how you transition back out. That's something that the Harrier and the F-35 people uh, had to learn as well. We had to learn it in real time. One of the use cases for that is to be able to fly between ships mm-hmm. um, instead of having to like scale up a, a tanker wall using the, the ladders and stuff, which is really precarious in rough seas especially. So that was a really cool demo. Um, the party, the Remars party, they had um, BattleBots there, and of course they had Browning flying around in his jetpack, and it was really cool. It was a good time. Yeah. So highly recommend it. Uh, we're, we're lucky that we got to go this year. Came away without COVID, so knock on wood. <laughs> 
That's it. So that's it. Episode 49, Dream 10X. Check us out on the web at dream10x.com. We also got a website coming up to facilitate rowing and to help rowers. We put the adventure in rower at row. We put the adventures in rowing at nautilustracker.com. We're about ready to release that. Um, so we look forward to seeing you online. Talk to you later. Over and out. <laughs>